in this account today in Mark's gospel, Jesus is going to give this famous statement. It's really the theme verse of the book of Mark. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. The one who was ransomed to buy you back out of the slave market of sin and death is Jesus. He is our ransom. And that's today on Walk in Truth Radio. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Notice what comes right after he says what's going to happen to him. And James and John, now let's just park here for a second. James and John, who, who are these guys? This is the inner circle. This, Peter, James, and John are usually the three guys. If anybody gets separated, these three are like the inner circle of the inner circle. They're the ones that Jesus takes into the room when he raises the little girl, Jairus' daughter. These are the three guys that went up on the Mount of Transfiguration and saw the glory of Jesus revealed. And James and John, the two sons of Zebedee, known as the sons of thunder, came up to him and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. (laughs) What? What? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to die and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're going to Jerusalem, mocked, spit upon, scourged, crucified, rise again. Okay, yeah, yeah. But let's not talk about you. (laughs) Let's talk about our favorite subject, us. See, we know you just said you're going to be treated terribly and die and rise and thus provide the way for all mankind. But what we're really concerned about is what we want you to do for us. In fact, here's the way we're going to put it. Hey, Lord, we want you to do whatever we're about to ask you to do, okay? Okay? Would you, would you just go ahead and... Lord, we prepared a document right here. Would you just go ahead and sign this? I will do whatever James and John ask me to do in the coming moments. Okay, just sign here, Lord. Don't worry about the small print. It's not a big deal. What? Yeah. Teacher, we want you to do whatever we ask of you. Jesus had just shared the ultimate thing he was about to do for them. You know, so many times... We're so worried about what we want right now, we forget what he's already done for us. He just told them what he was about to do. He's about to do the ultimate act of love. He's about to take their place, pay their ransom. And what are they stuck on? Lord, we want you to do what what we ask of you. Just think of how insensitive their words are in the moment. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt like you've given everything you can give to an individual or everything you can give to a situation and then you're shocked to find out that someone just brushes all that aside and asks you for more? Some of you can think of your boss right now. (laughs) But I've already worked 62 hours this week. I want you to do whatever I ask of you. How do you think Jesus responded to these words? 
What do you think his posture was? What do you think his facial expression looked like? Do you think he was bummed out? Do you think he was like, oh my goodness, did they, did they really not hear what I just said to them? I, I have to confess, I was sitting in my office this week and I was reading this and I was sitting in my office and I don't cry a lot, but I was in tear, tears in my chair. And I'll tell you why. Because I started to think of how often I do this. I started to think of how often my prayers are nothing more than, Lord, I want you to do whatever I'm about to ask you, okay? Lord, and instead of taking the posture of a servant so often, I have a laundry list of things that I want the Lord to do for me. Can you relate? Have you ever stepped back from your prayer life and asked yourself the last time you came to the Lord and said, Lord, what would you have me to do today? So much of our modern prayer lives are a laundry list of things we want God to do for us. And I hope, Lord, that you can take care of A, B, C, D, E, E1, E2, E3, <laughs> right? And sometimes I wonder how the Lord must feel in heaven. How many prayers a day does he hear all over the globe that are couched exactly like this? Lord, we come to you and we'd like you to do right now whatever we ask of you. And I wonder how many prayers he actually gets of thank you for what you've already done for me. I wonder what, how many prayers he gets where someone says, Lord, not only am I grateful for what you've done for me, but I'm going to ask one thing. Use me today, lead my feet where you want them to go because I am your servant. You are the master your will be done in my life. Even if I don't like it, even if I don't want to go where you're telling me to go, I'm going to go because you're Lord and I'm servant. You're shepherd, I'm sheep, and I'm going to follow. How do you think modern Christianity is doing with that? You know, my reaction in looking at this text, if I were Jesus, I would have said something like, you got to be kidding me. Have you ever... Just wanted to chime in for the Lord, right? This, Lord, this is how you should respond to these knuckleheads. <laughs> Until I realize I'm one of the knuckleheads. <laughs> and he simply responds, 36, what do you want me to do for you? Now, I don't know how he said it. <laughs> This is one of those, another one of those ones where I'm hoping we get video footage. Like, I don't know if he, because this is how I would do it. What do you want me to do for you now? Do you know how many people came to him and that was all they wanted? They wanted what he could give them, whether it be food or a healing miracle or a sign from heaven. That's, that's how he got approached all the time. Constantly, And that's how he gets approached today. He's still in heaven. He's still this great intercessor. But for most of the people that probably come to him, including those of us in the church, we come. And we probably have our laundry list. And, and my temptation this morning was just to blast all of us and say, 
You know what? We're all just a bunch of selfish little whiny. I was going to go down my list, and then I thought, you know what? But that's not the Lord's heart. I think when he asked, what do you want me to do for you? It was a genuine shepherd's heart. I'm amazed. I don't know about you, but I'm amazed at how many times I've asked the same thing of the Lord, and I, I wonder how he responds. How many times I've come with the same thing I've stumbled over, and I wonder, I wonder what he thinks or if he's ever disgusted with me. But Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says that we come to a throne of what? Grace. That we may say, receive mercy and help in our time of need. He loved them to the end, and he will love you to the end. Does he want you to grow? Yes. Does he want you to serve him? Yes. Does he want you to change your prayers along the lines that we're talking about? Yes. Does he want these 12 to change the world? And they are. Yes. But his attitude is so gracious. And he doesn't give up on us even when we give up on ourselves. John F. Kennedy, in his inaugural address, January 20th, 1961, shared these immortal words. He said, in your hands, my fellow citizens, more than in mine will rest the final success or failure of our course. Since this country was founded, each generation of Americans has been summoned to give testimony to its national loyalty. The graves of young Americans who answered the call to service surround the globe. Now the trumpet summons us again, not as a call to bear arms, though arms we need, not as a call to battle, though embattled we are, but a call to bear the burden of a long twilight struggle, year in and year out, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation. A struggle against the common enemies of man, tyranny, poverty, disease, and war itself. Can we forge against these enemies a grand and global alliance, north and south, east and west, that can assure a more fruitful life for all mankind? Will you join in that historic effort, he asks. In the long history of the world, only a few generations have been granted the role of defending freedom in its hour of maximum danger. I do not shank from this responsibility. I welcome it. I do not believe that any of us would exchange places with any other people or any other generation. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. My fellow citizens of the world, ask not what Americans will do for you, but what together we can do for the freedom of man. Finally, whether you are citizens of America or citizens of the world, ask of us the same high standards of strength and sacrifice which we ask of you. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, let us go forth to lead the land we love, asking his blessing and his help but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. Now, whatever you think of that speech, 
There's some God sprinkled in that, but here's what we remember from that speech. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Could I apply it to the church? Ask not what the church can do for you, even though the church should be ministering to all who come through its doors. But when's the last time you asked the question, what can I do for my church? What can I do for my Lord through my church? Sadly, I think in much of the Christian church, Christianity has become a bit of a spectator sport where we judge where we're going to go and what we're going to do based upon what we get out of it. And I understand that. And you should go somewhere where you are being fed God's word. But your Christian experience should not end there. Your Christian experience should be one of service. Asking the Lord, how would you use me in this setting and whatever gifts and calling I have? Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael. Really appreciate you tuning into the broadcast today. I'm going to tell you about a website that we have. It's a brand new website. It's called walkintruth.com. And on that website, you can find a new devotional. It's a video devotion called A Step Closer. The intention is to help you get a little bit closer in your walk with Jesus Christ. So go today to walkintruth.com. Scroll down on the video devotion called A Step Closer. And our prayer is that it'll get you a little bit closer in your walk with Jesus Christ today. So he said, what do you want me to do for you, 37? And they said to him, grant that we may sit in your glory, one on your right hand and one on your left. Now, Matthew's gospel, and this is found in Matthew chapter 20, tells us that they brought their mama with them. <laughs> in fact, Matthew's gospel has it that the mom asks the question, and they're all kind of kneeling or bowing before the Lord. You know it's desperate times when you get your mama to come and ask the Lord, right? Hey, mom, this will help. You ask him. <laughs> now, we don't know. Maybe they asked him, and then, he, then uh, mom asked or vice versa, it may have, may have been a question asked more than once, but whatever it was, the three of them are before him, and they're asking for these grand positions on his right hand and left hand in his glory. Matthew's gospel has in the kingdom to come. And I think these guys have brushed aside what he's just said about dying in Jerusalem, and they think, no, we're, when we go to Jerusalem, man, he's setting up David's throne again, and, and we better go ahead and get the best seats now. Right? I think they had a couple of moments where they're thinking, can you believe it? He's the Messiah and he chose us and we're one of the 12. Let's make sure we're one of the two. Yeah, great idea, John. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get while the getting's good. But Jesus said to them, you do not know what you're asking for. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink or to be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized? Look at verse 38. You don't know what you're asking for. You ever been there? <laughs> Maybe we should pay a little bit more attention to what we pray, right? Because sometimes we, we make these grandiose prayers, right? And then, do you ever, do you, have you ever made like a really kind of dangerous prayer and then stepped back and, and went, oh no, what did I just pray? 
Lord, I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'm yours. And then you go, oh, shoot. I hope the Lord was having breakfast when I prayed that one. Can you, is it possible to take anything back up there? Can you strike that from the record? You know. And I wonder if the Lord sometimes says to one of the angels, they don't know what they're asking for. <laughs> sometimes we think we know, right? Oh, Lord, now I've got it all figured out. This is the plan. A, B, C, and D, okay? The Lord's like, uh, I don't think you know exactly what you're asking for. You might want to tag that prayer with not my will, but yours be done. You know, I know some people say that's a weak way to pray. Like, I, do you really have to tag your prayer with that? Aren't you, isn't your faith strong enough? Oh, I have strong faith. But I believe that God is smarter than I am. And I don't believe it's a cop-out to pray a prayer of faith and then say, but not my will, yours be done. I think that's an act of faith. And when he brings up the cup, he says, are you able to drink the cup that I drink or, be the, or the, to be baptized with the baptism with which I'm baptized? He's taking common images. The cup sometimes speaks of the cup of indignation in both the Old and New Testament. And this baptism is not a baptism like a joyful baptism. Some writers say that this baptism pictures a forceful or violent immersion into the depths of the ocean. Like, do you know what I'm about to do? Do you know the depths of suffering I'm about to go into? Do you know the cup I'm gonna drink, which is the cup of suffering and the cup of God's indignation and wrath? Do you wanna drink it? Jesus is in the garden and he says, Father, if it's possible, let this, what, cup pass from me. I don't want to drink it, Lord. I don't want to drink it, my Father. Let that cup pass. Some people say, what's that cup? That cup is the wrath of God. That cup is the cup of suffering. He didn't want to drink it, but he was going to. And he drank it so you don't have to. He drank, the, he ingested the wrath of God so you don't have to. He took the baptism, if you will, being baptized on the cross. And in this image, Luke 12, 50 is a key verse that says, I have a baptism to undergo and how distressed I am until it is accomplished. He knew how he was gonna die. We just read it. Can you imagine how much sleep would you get each night knowing you faced Roman crucifixion? How well would you be doing with trying to focus on the needs of others when you knew a cross was ahead of you? Do you realize that in his earthly ministry, the whole time he lived in the shadow of the cross, the whole time he knew where he was going, the whole time he knew how he was gonna die? And do you look how gracious he is? When I have a little bit of stress in my life, I'm like, you know, to people. You know? Sometimes a little bit of pain or a little bit of, you know, stress in our lives and we, we don't treat people well around us. But Jesus, the whole time he knew where he was going. He said, you don't know what you're asking for. Are you able? And they said to him, look at verse 39. We are able. <laughs> oh, yeah? You remember Peter? Peter says, Lord, though everybody bails on you, loose paraphrase, that's a modern translation. I will not, I will be, 
I'll be faithful to the end. And Jesus says, will you, Peter? This very night, you will deny that you even know me three times. Are you so self-confident? Are you so convinced that you can do this? Do you really understand what's about to happen? And they said, oh, Lord, we're, we're able. And Jesus said to them, notice this, the cup that I drink, you shall drink. And you shall be baptized with the baptism with which I am baptized. Let's think about these two guys. Did they experience a cup of suffering? Yes. James, the brother of John, is killed in Acts chapter 12 by Herod himself. If you want to write it down, just write it down. This is Acts 12, 1 through 3. Now, about that time, Herod the king laid hands on some who belonged to the church in order to mistreat them. And he had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. Acts 12, 1 and 2. James was killed. It's almost treated in passing in the New Testament, but James drank the cup of suffering and even martyrdom. John in, in Revelation 1.9 is on the island of Patmos when he writes the famous book of Revelation and most scholars conclude that he's on some sort of penal island that is like an ancient Alcatraz. He's been banished to the island to suffer and die and that's where John gets the revelation when he's pretty old and John suffered as well. James and John did drink the cup. Do you imagine that when they asked the Lord for that cup, they knew what they were talking about? Do you think James imagined a sword and John an island of banishment? No. And that's why Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking for. You see, we got to trust that the Lord knows the direction that our lives are supposed to go. And he says, but to sit on my right or on my left, this is not mine to give. In Matthew's gospel, it says it's in the Father's hands, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And hearing this, the 10, so, you know, they're walking along the road, going to Jerusalem, the 10 are whistling along, you know, <whistles> and all of a sudden they get wind that James and John and their mama are talking to Jesus. And apparently the wind shifted and someone was within earshot and they heard what was going on. And the 12, well, they were indignant. Look at this. And hearing this, the 10 began to feel indignant with James and John. It was something like this. How dare you ask him for the best positions? Why didn't I think of that? They beat us to the punch. James and John. It's always about James and John. The two J's, J.J. <laughs> they were indignant. You know what indignant means? It means you're mad and, and sorry at the same time. But what were they sorry about? Were the, were the other 10 so righteous that they were feeling bad for Jesus? <laughs> Lord, I don't know how they could have done this to you. We were just about to pray for you, the 10 of us over here. Uh-huh. And calling them to himself, Jesus said to them, you know that those who are recognized as rulers of the Gentiles, now, see the word Gentiles there, that, that is a non-Jew. So 
When Jesus brings up rulers of the Gentiles, who do you think he's probably talking about? Just guess. The Romans, right? Maybe Herod. Herod was Idomean and his sons that followed. So they weren't technically Jewish. But I would imagine that Jesus's primary reference here is to the Romans. The Romans are occupying Israel. It's they're not free. It's a very difficult time. And so who do the Romans give heed to? What, who's their leader? It's the emperor. And how did the emperor depict his power? Well, they found coins minted from this time, and it would often have the image of the emperor. And in fact, there would be inscriptions on the coins. They found them in archaeology, and the inscription would give divinity to the emperor. It would say that the emperor is a god, and anybody that didn't serve the emperor properly, guess what? You die. In fact, the Roman Colosseum, and many of you have seen movies and heard you know, history on this, was really for entertainment in Rome to please the emperor and, what, and whatever he wanted. At his word, you died. You give him what he wants or you die. Some of the leaders, even among the Herods, were known to kill their wives and even their sons on the spot kill their servants for doing one wrong thing. You're dead. That's how they, that was their power. And it, as a Jewish person thinking of Roman leadership, how would you think of Roman leadership? If you were a Jew at that time, would you despise it? I'm sure you would. I'm sure you would hate everything that it stood for. Now notice. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God, to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, and, and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Hey folks, it's Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about our store at walkintruth.com. If you click on the store, we have a number of products up there. They're teaching products, DVDs, CDs, books that are available, all to help your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when you purchase a product at our store at walkintruth.com, you help us pay for radio airtime and you partner with us and it's a blessing in both directions. So check it out today. Go to the store, walkintruth.com. Click on it. Click on the store. You'll see a number of different products. That's walkintruth.com. Click on the store today and it'll be a blessing to you. God bless you and we'll catch you next time on the broadcast. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message in its entirety, or if you'd like to visit our church here in Corona, California, visit our website, walkintruth.com.